Hello, Canada and the rest of the world, and welcome once again to the Netflix Podcast, the show where we review the movies available to stream on Canadian Netflix. I'm Dylan Clark Moore, and joining me here today is writer, blogger, event coordinator, and about a million other cool creative titles, Deanne Condrat. I don't know how to follow up that really great introduction, so I'll just say, hey, guys. Hey. <laughs> Thanks, Dylan. You're welcome. Before we get started, I do want to let the world know that today's episode is brought to you in part by UnLondon's 121 Studios, London's premier digital media hub and co-working space. Visit 121studios.ca for more information. Is there anything cool you've been watching recently on Netflix, Deanne? Um, well, myself and the rest of the world, I've been watching uh, How to Make a Murderer, which is... Making a Murderer. Ma- <laughs> how to Make a Murderer? No. How to Murder Your Mother. <laughs> I'm watching a completely different show than everyone else. It's about how to murder people. That's not what we're all watching, no? No? Oh. Awkward. You're watching, like, the Asylum knockoff version? Like, the, <laughs> you're watching the Transmorphers yeah. of Making a Murderer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's not what we're watching? No. No. Making a Murderer. <laughs> So, I have been watching that, and I finished the last episode before I walked over here tonight and, like, the snow blizzard that's happening in London, Ontario, so... So, I haven't watched the movie that we're talking about because I was watching Making a Murderer instead. <laughs> yeah, I've been really busy. Yeah, I'm so wrapped up in Making a Murderer. I, we, I fi- we finished it recently, stayed up irresponsibly you. late to uh, to finish it, and... Yeah, now I'm just, like, swimming in all the extra content I can mm-hmm. find. Like, um, I think his name's Dustin Rolls over on Pajiba. He ended up putting out uh, a list of all the evidence against Stephen Avery mm-hmm. that didn't make it to trial, or that didn't make it into the documentary. And it's, like, really horrible, incriminating stuff. I've read a couple articles. There's all this stuff coming out. Like, he does seem like a character that would have had a rough past, like... I never assumed that he was, like, an innocent angel. But it's interesting to hear all this stuff come out. And it's sort of like Serial. Did you listen to the first season of Serial? Where at the end, you're sort of left with that feeling. It's like, okay, this person could be completely innocent. But also there is that chance that he is being put away for something he did do. Like, the justice system did him wrong and how they handled it. But, like, he could have done it. Like, maybe. Yeah. It's so compelling and gross. Yeah. And just like you feel guilty while you're watching it too because you're like i'm enjoying this so much and it is all based on real human suffering i saw something on instagram and it was like drinking game for making a murder it's like take a shot every time and avery says yeah and like i started laughing i started like (laughs) tagging all of my girlfriends i'm like next pre-drink i'm like oh my god this is horrible like someone was actually murdered around these circumstances and i'm like you know it'd be fun is to like pre-drink to this but yeah um, I think it's being. College Humor just put out something. And now I'm just listing off all the extra textual stuff, but College <laughs> I, Humor just put out something called uh, cringe. Fl- no, instead of binge watching, cringe watching. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, you finished how uh, you finished. Fuck you. I'm saying it now. You finished- <laughs> how to be a murderer. <laughs> uh, so you finished making a murderer. Now let's watch old people being treated poorly in <laughs> oh, retirement <girl>. homes. <laughs> The sad thing is, I'd be like, mm, maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, this is kind of the the pinnacle of where we got to with hoarders of like looking at people be awful. Now, yeah, we've now seen we're just, like everything awful, so it's now. Yeah, just now like, we're just putting like an HBO style shellac on it and presenting so it true. more tastefully. Yeah, our generation is so so horrible, but it's also interesting. Like I was talking about this with my roommate tonight. The people who covered this case stayed in Manitowoc County for like a decade or something to cover this case because mm-hmm. they covered like his rape trial and then we're going to go back home then heard that he was being arrested again then packed up and stayed there for years like mm-hmm. it's they just devoted themselves to this case so completely yeah, and then they came back once netflix picked it up so they could come and finish mm-hmm. it because like hbo didn't want it because and also not knowing at the time like there was no money i don't think being put behind it like yeah is insane but good for them they've made some great cringeworthy tv mm-hmm all right. Well, the movie that you are here to talk about this week is directed by Chris Columbus from the year 1987. Holla. Are you year- an 87? I'm no. an 87. Uh, I know. I was excited because I thought it was going to be an 86 movie because 86 is the best year. And I was disappointed it was one year off. No, 87 is the best year. They saw what 86 did and they were like, eh, we can. <laughs> okay. I see where this is going. <laughs> the movie we're going to be talking about is Adventures in Babysitting. What up? No, are we supposed to be excited when you say the title? <laughs> it is a great movie, though. It is worthy of that excitement. That's insane. Uh, the ways that Netflix describes this movie, first of all, when you hover over the title, it says, by the end of the night, she'll need to up her hourly rate. <laughs> this is not the easygoing gig she signed up for. 
All right, they're putting a different spin on it, but okay. And yeah. using a line from the movie to try and sell the uh, movie. Because yeah. Brad makes that comment that, oh, if they ask you to babysit again, yeah, then yeah. you're going to need hazard pay. Spoilers. Uh, when you click on the movie, the description changes to, when teenaged Chris Parker agrees to babysit for the Andersons after her boyfriend stands her up, it's hardly the boring night she expected. No, yep. that, that seems, yeah. yeah. I don't think either one really captures the... They're not the, exciting enough, but it's like... yeah. Yeah, it's in a babysitting job that got really crazy. But yeah. it can go either way when you say babysitting job going very crazy. Because there's also this movie called, I think it's just called The Babysitter. And it's about this like girl's babysitting for a family and then just started this really intense sexual affair with the dad. And then all of her friends started having sexual affairs with his friends. So babysitting jobs can get out of hand in many ways. But this is not <laughs> what this movie is about. And I'm sorry for that segue. <laughs> there's I've... no sexual affairs with dads. None. There's a lot of weird shit that goes on, but we'll we'll get to that. Um, I feel like this description could have just as easily worked for Halloween as it could for Adventures in Babysitting. Like, it really doesn't get to the the fun of the movie, but that's neither here nor there. The genres this movie belongs to, according to Netflix, are comedies, mm-hmm. cult comedies, and teen comedies. Yeah. And the mood is described as feel-good. It's pretty feel-good. You're feeling pretty good while you watch it. <laughs> I agree, Netflix. So, first question, most important question you're going to be asked all day. Mm-hmm. Why Adventures in Babysitting? Because you were super excited when uh, when this opportunity came up. I've always, like, ever since I was, like, young, I've watched this movie, like, probably once a year. Because when I was little and living at home, it'd be on, like, YTV. And it's like, yeah, Adventures in Babysitting. Even all the good stuff is going to be cut out. <laughs> and now having it on Netflix, even, like, when I'm home alone and, like, just needing something, like... Feel Speaking good comedy. Chris Columbus, yeah. Yeah, in the background. Um, yeah, it's just one of my go-tos. Like, it's a great cast, and it's a cult classic. I, I like it. <laughs> and- You're acting like I'm not, like, harshly disagreeing with you. <laughs> He's just glaring at me from across the table. You guys true. cannot see this. And also true. the fact that you have never seen it just sort of up the ante, because I'm like... Okay, this is something that like you just need to see in your lifetime. Well, this happened not that long ago. Like I think the last one that we did was uh, the last time you were on was when we talked about Mighty Ducks. Oh, Dylan, and yes. that was a similar. <laughs> Relax, okay. And that was a similar thing where it was something that was really you know important to mm-hmm. your childhood that I just had never come across. So I think also my problem is too like these movies that were like important in my childhood and nostalgic. I just keep watching them over and over again and just never watch new movies. <laughs> just keep wearing out the tapes. Yeah, yeah. I finally watched Kingsman on Netflix like two weeks ago. Great movie. And apparently everyone's watched it a billion times. I'm like, well, it came out in the last year. Like, it's not really my thing, but it was great, <laughs> But though. let me quote Heathers at you for a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll tell you what's up. <laughs> okay, so uh, plenty to talk about with this movie. So off the bat, though, yes. y- just quick two words. You've never seen it before. Are you happy you saw it? In two words, or as many as you're gonna you ask want. me a yes or no question, but I have to answer. <laughs> like so, okay, yes. fine. Here are your two words: yes, but. Okay, all, all right. right. Is that a yes, but? Dot dot dot. Sure. Okay. I'm just putting. You didn't things. put a limit on my punctuation, so. You know what? No, I can live with that. All right. I I, kind, I feel like I kind of understood the appeal of it, and you know why people could have nostalgic mm. feelings for it but also why it isn't maybe quite the same enduring classic as a lot of other movies from that era that maybe jumped to the front of the mind when you're thinking of, like, 80s teen movies, like the John Hughes movies and mm-hmm, things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fun, but it's not spectacular. And even the the scenes that I think are kind of iconic aren't necessarily all that special. I'm also wondering if this was sort of, like, jumping on the bandwagon of like John Hughes movies at that times because even setting it in Chicago, mm-hmm. suburbs of Chicago, that's after John Hughes started making movies, that's where all teen movies were set because it was like the place to be an angsty teenager. So, right. I did love the at first I hated it. I really wanted to resist it, but then I tried to give it a chance. They don't I don't think I ever mentioned that it's in Illinois or that they're filming it in Chicago or that I don't think they even name the suburb, do they? I don't think they name the suburb. No. At least they don't make a big deal out of it. Like what they're always talking about is they say the suburbs mm-hmm. and the city, which makes it really, really broad, which mm-hmm. is fair. But the whole idea that they have of this city is so scary and so intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> and I, where I finally forgave it for being so over the top was, you know, I, I sometimes don't 
clue into how exactly I'm supposed to be watching the movie because I don't think I'm supposed to be watching this movie as mm-hmm. you know a nearly 30 year old man you know i'm <laughs> oh, supposed no. to you know you, it's told from the perspective of these kids right yeah. so these kids who have they always hear about the city that's how it's told to them right their parents don't talk about going into chicago they talk about going into the city mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they hear that it's not safe for you to go into the city so when they get there they already have all these preconceived notions about how dangerous and how awful everything mm-hmm. is going to be so as soon as there's any glimmer or hint that something's validating those fears it gets exploded inside of their minds. Mm-hmm. Like when they meet the tow truck driver. Yes. <laughs> like he's yeah. the most terrifying person you could ever <laughs> yes. meet. And he's, except for, you know, his domestic issues, he's a sweetie. And he offers yeah. to, like, buy them a tire out of the goodness of his mm-hmm. heart. Like, people are always trying to take care of these kids. It's also, I don't know why I was thinking of this. I was, like, in a very depressed mind frame last night when I was watching it again. Oh. But, <laughs> no, I wasn't at all. But you're hearing all these things. <laughs> why did you say it? <laughs> I'm going to bring us down for a second, but then we're just going to bring it back up like a Josh Groban song. So it's fine. Um, But like you're hearing about all these issues now, like the gun violence in like the city of Chicago and like all the racial tension and like police officers shooting like black youth. And I'm like, maybe it's just always been this way. And they were trying to make this campy farce of like how scary it can be in the inner city. And I I think that it was just so like you said, it's campy. Like it's so over the top. Mm hmm. Like when Brenda is at the bus station and she looks through the phone booth window and this guy just like lifts up her shirt and is like, yeah, I have a gun. <laughs> like, you're not even threatening her. You're just, you're just you're being just, lewd for no reason. Yeah, you're terrorizing a yeah. child for no apparent reason. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that it was um, it, it was just kind of as a child. Mm-hmm. This is what it would look like. And you have all these things that are kind of confirming these mm-hmm. preconceived notions that you might already have. And also like just thinking of the city being like a child or teenager because when i was like 12 living in the suburbs of little london like coming downtown it's not that much when my parents would let me go downtown but things are a little scarier when you're downtown on your own i think that's sort of like what brenda experienced when she finally (laughs) broke free of the suburbs and made it to that bus station that would be like 13 year old deanne making it down to the greyhound station in london ontario trying to run away from home i also liked and i was comforted by the fact that almost every scary or intimidating character in the movie is able to step outside of that and try Mm -hmm. to take care of these kids there are some exceptions where people are just like consistently shitty like the the main boss guy Mm -hmm. who just really wants his playboy back or (laughs) yeah we'll get to that point (laughs) or the the gangs on the train yeah which that goes next level (laughs) when you've got these this group these two groups of street toughs and they're coming at each other from opposite ends of the subway and chris tries to talk back and she gets told not to fuck with the lords of hell and you're like what is happening here like we went from adventures in babysitting to sons of anarchy real quickly Just so fast and then a guy gets stabbed in the foot like this kid we've been following all along it's a knife thrown through his foot like it it really escalates but we do have in a lot of cases these tough characters who are still maternal or paternal mm-hmm. like they just mm-hmm. they recognize innocence and they're like yeah like you your just, kids that are lost like yeah you should be nice to kids like the creepy tow truck driver that or, carjacker yeah guy. the carjacker he was a sweetie yeah yeah um or even i mean we see it happen to thor uh vincent d'onofrio oh, yes! or not vincent d'onofrio vincent philip d'onofrio <laughs> as he's credited in this movie you know he starts off being tough and he just smells like butter. Yeah, it's as soon great. as she, yeah, she like she idolizes him and puts him on this platform, and his yeah. heart melts, and he's like, "All right, fine, I'll let you off the hook for five bucks." So it was sweet. It was, yeah. Like that's yeah. that feel good part that you're talking about, but it goes real dark before it gets there. With, oh, it with does. The stabbings yeah. and the murders. Like you probably were watching as someone who had never seen it before, being like, "Is this a movie where all the kids die?" Because and there's a couple parts where it's like, "Well, this is rough. This could go either way right now." Like there were a couple of scenes where those children were in legitimate danger of falling to oh, their deaths. Yes, yeah, real like danger. Like when they're uh, hanging off the rafters, or when Sarah is hanging oh, off the building. The building. Yeah, like, like was, not safe. Yeah, it was terrifying. Who would have been her stunt double? Did they get a really small stunt double, or did they push a child out onto that building? That's well, what I'd I, like to know. I imagine that that was a set. Where <laughs> they... Oh, is that how they used to do the <laughs> movies? <laughs> in hollywood (laughs) you just got tom cruise raising your standard for how building stunts are done you're like this child obviously (laughs) that's why she doesn't do movies anymore she did too many building stunts and now she's dead yeah (laughs) even in that scene like where you have the 
lieutenant or whatever, like the second in command mm-hmm. for the big bad guy. I get the feeling when he's yelling to Sarah, like, no, don't go out there. He's not saying that because he's trying to recover the lost property. No, he's, he's like, like uh, you just don't go out there, little yeah, like, girl. Like, yeah, this like, is super dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Like, the only one who seems very interested in killing these kids mm-hmm. is that slimeball, greasy guy. Yeah. What is his name? Like, Beaker? Bleak? Freak? Oh, it's something like that. I can't even remember right now. Bender? No. No, that's not it. But even, like, the movie starting off, like in in my books every time the opening sequence and she's just wearing that like the plaid dress and they're playing what is it like the ronettes or the crystals it's just such a great scene again it's a nostalgia factor like every time that opening scene happens it just warms my heart but then it all comes crushing down when josh lyman from the west wing comes to the door and uh, uh ends up breaking up their date and every time i watch it i forget he's in it because i as a 12 year old nerd i love the west wing and idolize josh lyman i'm like this is a man i'd probably spend the rest of my life with but every time (laughs) i see this movie i'm like no i will not (laughs) i'm thinking if like maybe he started out as a skis ball but then he like ended up doing wonderful things for president jeb bartlett of the united states of america so it's the same character yeah yeah yeah. nice (laughs) he just grew up and like realized his wrongs after this whole adventures and babysitting night (laughs) Even though his name is not Josh Lyman in... Oh, what is his name in that movie? Brad. Something like that. In this movie? Yeah. It's Mike. Mike. That's it. Yeah. Always such good 90s names. Mike with the Camaro with the yeah. so cool license plate. Which, fun fact, I don't know if you read this, apparently that is actually his Camaro, like the actor's Camaro. No. Yeah. Apparently he had some like reservations about being a 26-year-old man. <laughs> was <laughs> was in, he 26 in, in, in that movie? Yeah, he was like too old to be in this kind of part um and yeah because apparently he's supposed to be just like a high school senior Mm -hmm. but i was like no you are the older boyfriend nope that is not the case they are the same age so apparently dawson's creek where they're all like 30 apparently he felt that same tension and they were like hey well you've got this cool camaro and that fits with the character so uh yeah we'll just have your camaro with the actual license plate so cool be your character's car yeah gross (laughs) now Um, i'm wondering if what is the actor's name like bradley Whitaker, if he's actually a deep egg in real life. Even now, I see him once in a while in like shows, and he's like 60, and I'm like, he's still got it, Josh Lyman. Uh, where I know him from, aside from West Wing, was he's recently done a guest spot on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where he plays yes. Jake's absentee dad. <laughs> yes, that's where I last saw him. Yeah, so most recently, I was like, oh, you are a dirtbag. Yeah. Bradley Whitford. There we go. Whitford. Yes. Also, <laughs> Netflix, if you're listening, bring back the West Wing. That was the worst day of my life when like I was like three seasons in rewatching it, and they're like, meh just for taking it away now but, but then they gave us making a murderer so we're okay or how to be a murderer <laughs> depending on which region you're watching how to be getting away they also added getting away with murder so <laughs> oh that's true how yeah. to be getting away with making a murderer <laughs> um i chris in this movie mm-hmm. is pursued by many suitors um elizabeth shu had it going on though she really did oh sorry before we get into that um you talked about the opening and how amazing it was Mm -hmm. and i mentioned earlier that i I got the appeal of it because Mm -hmm. that opening scene it made me feel nostalgic for something i've never done like that Mm -hmm. whole dancing around in your bedroom singing (laughs) into your hairbrush yeah like that whole thing where i was like yeah this feels comforting and Mm -hmm. and wholesome and somehow it it evokes nostalgia of something that never actually happened yeah and i feel like a lot of movies around that time sort of had a scene like that too mm-hmm. so it probably just brought back a lot of wonderful yeah. memories for you it's also a great font yeah they the, do have the, a great font the blue and yellow kind of flashing across the mm, screen i've never amazing. seen that before and that was it's odd for me to get excited about a font but... <laughs> you're like yes fonts. yes i love typefaces <laughs> so excited uh chris is an interesting character especially with regards to her romantic pursuits because the first thing that we see her do aside from dancing is kind of be disappointed Mm -hmm. by this guy and i think i kind of just understood because of the rules of movies that he was lying but yeah he he didn't look like a trustworthy dude like yeah but we don't have any reason to think that he's lying aside from the fact that it kind of has to happen that way because it's a movie but we like to find out like they've been together for a year and which is like forever in high school yeah that is a long time in Mm -hmm. high school and then he decides on their anniversary (laughs) that he's gonna blow off their date in order to show up to that date 
with somebody else with like a snaggletooth bitch sorry <laughs> with the greatest name of all time <laughs> sesame plexer yes oh so maybe that's why he was into her maybe it's like she's exotic well i think we find out that he's into her because she's oh she's uh, a little bit more easy going free and giving of yeah. the love mm-hmm. than uh than perhaps chris had been but, I mean, like, a year in high school. That is such a long time. Yeah. And that's just really low for him. Like, just break up with her, and then you've got the reservations, and yeah, go on that take... date anyway. Like, why also, are you... what, like, 18-year-old can take girls out to, like, five-star restaurants where they serve lobsters and have to wear diamonds? Chicago. It's a different place. Know. It's life in the suburbs, I guess. <laughs> um, so, you know, obviously we find out that Mike isn't really going to be compatible. Um, we also see brad the one kid really actively Mm -hmm. pursuing her and i felt like her relationship with him was kind of hella strange and maybe it's just i've never been the thing i don't understand i understand okay he was supposed to be going to a sleepover with his friend his annoying friend ends up sticking around i'm like you're 15 why aren't you just babysitting your kid sister like if it was me and my parents were going out they're like you're not going to your friends you're babysitting your brother like you know what you got to do your duty like yeah I, i don't know if that was just like a casting thing like i didn't know how old that kid was supposed to be Mm -hmm. or maybe it had happened in the past like sarah does mention at one point like my parents will kill you if you leave me with brad so maybe he's just kind of proven that he's yeah inept at caregiving maybe maybe that's it yeah i I thought it was weird because like chris gets told really early on as if she didn't know already but she no they do go to the same high school Mm -hmm. yeah they go to the same school so just different grades he's 14 or 15 yeah i think they said he was 15 and she's 17 so two years apart that's not a big gap. Anyway. Um, but when you're in high school, it's different, right? Yeah, That's absolutely. That's grade 10 yeah, and grade not, 12. But you're, I, I just mean with regards to what you're saying, that like he really should be babysitting yeah, at this point. Yeah, he seems capable enough to babysit someone. But it could be, yeah. he was Like you said, he was supposed to be going off to have this sleepover, so that's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Look at Playboys with his buds, which is apparently what they do at Weird. sleepovers all the time. Hey. Oh, the 80s. It was a more innocent time. Oh, boy, sleepovers. <laughs> so I thought that it was strange because Chris knew that brad was like into her Mm -hmm. to the point that sarah tells her that you know brad writes poetry about you so there is no there's no vagueness about this it's very clear but then anytime the conversation comes up she acts all coy with him like she kind of starts rocking back and forth Mm -hmm. and like oh it's gonna be funny when he tells me but then when brad tells her like hey you should be with somebody like me she laughs out loud and says ha ha you're like a child yeah. and is so harsh and condescending to him but she's trying to draw it out of him she's not trying to awkwardly she's not trying to avoid the conversation mm. she's invoking this out of him it's like this weird yeah she didn't handle it well trip. at all i guess you know 17 year old girls they can be a bit mean sometimes i suppose even though i think she was like 24 in this movie but and then at the end when brad says you know it's okay if you want to ignore me like you always have and she's like no i don't ignore friends i was like do you intentionally ignore people in the hallways <laughs> yeah, at school and also it's awkward if she's just been in, intentionally ignoring him the whole time and then they just have to spend this night together it's like i feel like i'd bring that up sooner it's like so you're like really kind of a bitch to me at school sometimes <laughs> but no he's like yeah car ride we're doing this weird motown parties it's gonna be great <laughs> so then we get about two-thirds of the way through and then we meet the actual love interest Oh, yeah. Dan? He, yeah. He just kind of shows up and is all... He's a hottie. I'm yeah, like, I've got yes. nothing against him. Like, he's he does he's all the right things. He's nice. He, he has $20. He has... He works it up to $45. <laughs> the man knows how to work it. <laughs> you know, he's, he's kind. He's generous. But what I didn't love about him is that he got introduced, like I said, two-thirds of the way through the movie to be this kind of, like, tacked-on alternative. Mm -hmm. Which, fine, like, happy ending where everybody has somebody to partner with or whatever. But I felt like they already set that up with Joe Gipp, the car thief. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it would have been simpler and cleaner if you just had her end up with Joe. Yeah. Because he's made a point of saying that he thinks that she's really attractive. He's been really sweet to her. He he's, was such a sweetie. Yeah, oh. he's, like, turning Solid his back guy. on his entire lifestyle for the sake of protecting these kids. Mm-hmm. And he's there. he seems to be their age, and maybe that's because he's, you know, 30 and she's 24. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, like, I don't, I don't want to speculate that it was, like, a racial thing, that that's why they didn't go oh, there and they the were scared to. Oh, it was the 80s suburbia. It was 100% a racial thing. <laughs> it was like, you have this character already. So, yeah, yeah. so like, why would you not just go all the way with that? Like, we didn't necessarily need to take... The only reason that you go to that frat party 
is to have that detour so that she can meet the guy. Yeah, yeah. It and, was I, and I guess totally to get the a money, plot point to hit. Yeah, yeah. Like you could have done it so much better, and it would have been fine, and it would have mm-hmm. suited the narrative so much better. Rather, like you could have had Joe drive up at the end and say, "Hey, you left this skate in the stolen car," or at mm-hmm. the hideout and i've been carrying it all along because you know i had an excuse like, you could have done it without introducing brad and no mm-hmm. offense to brad brad's a stand-up dude with great hair but with great hair uh, but so did joe had great hair too he did with have the, great hair man with the tied back in the choice Rewatching it i do like i am able to see this was probably a movie that was quickly written to like keep up with like the teen movie trend that really surged in like the mid 80s and it doesn't make it any less fun for me but seeing like someone like you coming in with fresh eyes i could see like where you could sort of find those plot holes like it wasn't like a well thought out john hughes move which is like the mecca of teen movies in the 80s but you know it's still fun and i i did have that experience where it felt like it was like okay now we need to do this because this Mm -hmm. it's tough to say because you know i'm not looking at an entire timeline of 80s teen movies so i don't know what introduced what and what's following what else Mm -hmm. but there were a couple times where i was like okay now we're on to that scene from this 80s teen movie like when they do the the musical scene yeah. where they yeah, which stumble so into the much bar. in the eighties, yeah. Where yeah. they stumble into the bar and they have to, nobody gets off this stage without singing the blues. And you know, I had no idea who that cameo is, but apparently that's a Apparently it's a big blues singer. I like Googled it last night too, and they're like, Legendary blues singer, name I've never heard of. I'm like, <laughs> All right, okay. People are gonna be listening to this and being like, Does she know anything? Like it's probably someone really obvious, but I've never heard the name before in my life. But apparently he's done a lot of great things. It's on Wikipedia, so... And he was used to facilitate this really contrived (laughs) device for an 80s teen movie. And that's that was another point where the movie got me. Because I was like, I know what's happening Mm -hmm. right now. And I can't can't convince myself to not enjoy it. Like, Elizabeth Shue is just going for it. Yeah. Everybody's just hamming it up and playing with it. The musicians make it seem like this is something that would actually happen instead of... I can't imagine that the... I have to imagine that that situation would be probably a bit more adversarial if you just, like, but stormed onto a stage. But apparently it's a rule of that bar. You can't leave without singing the blues. So they yeah. probably get it all the time. People are trying to leave. They're like, no, get up here. <laughs> Which I loved. <laughs> yeah, it was, was great. Like, that was is, a good scene. This was dumb, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of glad that we didn't get a resolution when the, the bad guys end up on the stage. Mm-hmm. And it's like, nobody leaves. With, you know, they go through the same thing again. Yeah. And then the bad guy just kind of, like scowls <laughs> and you're like Oof, this this probably did not end it's well. like what and, happened either someone got shot or he sang the blues it could have gone either way yeah neither we'll one know. would have been like one of them would have been going way too far the other one would have completely undercut his seriousness so <laughs> yeah it's good that we just cut away when we did yeah we can have don't fuck with the lords of hell but once you have like a mass shooting <laughs> in a, like, also, in a blues how did club they slip that into i think it's like a pg-13 movie yeah pg-13 distributed by disney but Netflix has it as PG, so I don't even know what's going on there. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of fucks in there. Mm-hmm. Or like, I there guess is. there's the one fuck, don't fuck with the Lords of Hell. And, and she says at one point, like, don't fuck with the babysitter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She immediately follows it yeah, up yeah. with, don't fuck with the babysitter. It does seem more, and we talked about this with Mighty Ducks as well, that, you know, kid and teen movies will often have that kind of more adult content Mm -hmm. or what we perceive as more adult. And part of me is like, red flag, this is inappropriate. Yeah. But then it's also like, I remember being 12 and being like, here's how you string a bunch of cuss words together. And that's how I talked because that's when you're discovering these things and it's fun to swear. And you have to think this is a movie for 12 year olds. Like when you're 12, you've heard this language before. It's not like this is a movie that's marketed to like five or six year olds. This isn't Frozen or anything like that. Thank God. Amazing. (laughs) We should have just watched Frozen. Just fucking let it go. Uh, and it's like that, would be that a meatloaf voice that she's singing in all of a sudden <laughs> yeah the the content in this movie is sometimes it's that where it's kids saying fuck and it's funny or you mm-hmm. know you just you say it because whatever like we don't need to always be like completely sanitizing things that are for mm-hmm. younger people but other times yeah. i don't know if it's it's a dated thing and we've kind of moved past some of this language like that is the case when they get into an argument about whether or not Thor is a homo. Oh, yeah. Which is like, ugh. Like, they just keep throwing it out. And when they see, what's his name? Vincent, uh, what, Vincent, Vincent Del- Philip Thor- D'Onofrio. <laughs> D'Onofrio. That's how you say it. And 
the little girl's like, don't listen to him. He called you a homo. And I'm like, oh, we're bringing this back. Yeah, and then, of course, he has to be all upset and you spread rumors about me, kid. <laughs> it's like, I've never met you before. Like, why would I do that? Why are you making these wild assumptions and accusations? Uh, uh, also, that wig is great. It's fantastic. And ha- was he that buff ever? Like, Apparently. Because you just see him as like... Well, he's just, like, a middle-aged man, right? Like, well, the next thing I remember him in after that, and I mean, it's been a few years. I mean, well, first of all, Law and, Law and Order Criminal Intent. He's yeah, that's where, like, my then. mind immediately goes. But before that, he was in Men in Black. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's Egger in the Egger suit. <laughs> in the sugar water. <laughs> oh, it's a great movie. I haven't watched it in so long. Um, wow. The other really shocking one was... Actually, before I get to the really shocking one, <laughs> the one that I really enjoyed, because I feel like it was it was really there for the adults because the teens wouldn't have gotten it, it's when Brenda's fighting with the hot dog vendor. <laughs> and he's like, you slip me the cash, I'll slip you the wiener. <laughs> yes, that's a great line. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess that was, that was a, a, a line that got cut, was apparently he yelled something like, well, then you don't fucking get my wiener and when he threw out the... <laughs> Like that was that's when Disney Who said wrote that's this too far. Script, literally. Oh man. The other really weird one and I I don't think this is even like a dated thing. This is just a you're not really thinking mm-hmm. about what you're saying is when uh Chris is threatening Daryl deservedly because Daryl is a super creep. Yeah. And she's yeah. like if you don't do this, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to murder you. I'm going to stab you. And then <laughs> No, what does he say? Sorry, how did she say it? She says you're going to be killed murdered stabbed and then daryl gets this like knowing look in his eyes and goes raped oh yes (laughs) jesus that's just because like daryl is creep supreme he doesn't have like you know boundaries at all (laughs) but also dated like i don't think they would throw that you couldn't no oh you couldn't you shouldn't no you shouldn't (laughs) they shouldn't have here but in the 80s like but why is like that's not okay like I think we still laughed about those things in the eighties. I'm yeah. sorry, but I think it happened. I don't know. I don't want to see. You got to be careful because I don't want to be like, fine, you get a pass on homo, but you don't get no, a pass I'm on. No, I'm not rent. saying they should get a pass on either of those, but it's just saying like, like you want to put it in context, but also like I don't know. I wasn't like I I, I have seen progress towards acceptance towards just all things queer. Yeah, and I can see that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember there ever being a time when making jokes about rape. In in this context, mm-hmm. it was funny. I mean, like, he, like I see comedians defending jokes and, you yeah, know, it, yeah. you know, like, there's a, a serious argument about whether or not something like that can be funny. And, you know, if, that's not that's not for this discussion right now. But that wasn't funny to start with. No, no. That's I, just felt, I feel being... awkward when they throw that out a couple times in the movie. But it is interesting to think because 1987 is the year you were born. So just think in, like, your lifespan, like, how far we've come with just equality in general like of course we would never say that in a movie now but we are rather like celebrating people of all gender identities and which is kind of cool like you're not even 30 and we've come this far right yeah so we still got a ways to go for sure well we but. still we still got a ways to go but we're no longer back in ventures and babysitting realm where we're calling four slangs i like how you make it seem because like, i'm one year older like i am this this whippersnapper <laughs> yeah. and you're just like back in my day <laughs> We touched a couple of times on Daryl, and I was listening to another podcast recently about how we kind of overuse certain words to the point that they've lost their original mm-hmm. meaning. Like when we talk about OCD, or when we talk about like diagnose. Oh man, like you're so schizo or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And they bring up a really valid point that you know, you really shouldn't be using those kinds of things to describe yourself, mm-hmm. and that the point at which a behavior becomes a disorder is when it affects your day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. So looking at Daryl through that lens, I think he has like a crippling sex addiction. Yeah. Because many of the problems that come up in this movie come from his inability mm-hmm. to recognize when his behavior is totally unacceptable. And he's mm-hmm. a teenage boy. Like, Well, that's why I was about to... Been there, done that. Say, I know teenage boys... Not all of them are actually like this, but, like, in a lot of teen movies, even, like, carrying on into, like, the 90s and early 2000s, like, a lot of teen boys are portrayed this way as just, like, sex-hungry little addicts that will take whatever they can get. Like, Daryl's at that frat party and, like, 
this 40 year old woman for some reason is at a frat party and comes out of nowhere is like let's take this to the bathroom and he's like "Hmm, yeah okay like i'm like oh assuming that any 15 year old boy would do that maybe maybe no i mean if if somebody is like you know if you're discovering your sexuality and somebody comes along and and offers to kind of show you the path and you know i don't speak for all of masculinity and i'm certainly not the best ambassador for all things manly (laughs) Just just give us your all here, Dylan. But, I mean, I, I would think that, yeah, you, you go along with that. But where it's... Especially because he's amped up because he's been carrying a Playboy around for, like, 72 hours and just, like, flicking no through those pages, like, every five minutes. Like, But it's not, like, it's not even that scene that really bothered me. Like, fine. Like, somebody is offering you sex. Then, fine. Yeah. But... Also, does he go with her? I, I They have to leave, right? Before that? He doesn't they, go. They start making out on the stairs. Yes, okay. And then the boyfriend tries to fight him. Mm, okay. Which, I mean, it leads to problems, but that's, that's kind of okay. But Daryl also, like, when they are kidnapped and when they are locked up in a room and they have no... They still haven't figured out a means to escape. As soon as he sees a Playboy, he compulsively stuffs it into his clothes so that he can keep it for later. Yeah. He's yeah. just like, there's this this trove of potential masturbation that I need to have close to my <laughs> body as soon as possible. And it the same Playboy that he already has? Right, because it's this month's Playboy. Yeah, yeah. That's right? like, you don't need two of those copies. But he doesn't have that one, any, he doesn't have that one anymore because Brad threw it out the window. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because Daryl was like shown into Brad and being like, look, it looks like Chris. It looks like Chris. So yeah. you've already looked through it a thousand times. So. Yeah. But then he nearly like elicits a prostitute. Yeah. Who turns out to be 17 as well, which opens up a whole other can of worms. That was also very disturbing. I'm like, oh, we're talking about youth and prostitution now. Yeah. But then the really disturbing thing is when they're in the back of the car when they're driving home and like everything is safe and everything is happy. Mm -hmm. And Daryl starts like peeling off Brenda's clothes as she's passed out in the back because she's exhausted. Oh, yeah. And he starts like trying to take a peek under her coat. It's like, you have crossed a line, sir. Yeah. And nobody is setting you straight on this. It's no. just kind of accepted that this is your your fun, quirky behavior. Oh, yeah. He definitely grew up to be some sort of peeper. Like, in the washrooms, like, what did they do? Tap their feet or make glory holes? Or he probably did the glory hole thing. That's where I could see his life going. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just <laughs> watching you try to navigate, like, your, your like, limited understanding of casual gay encounters here <laughs> what <laughs> glory holes aren't just a gay thing are they well, how, well, how what else would they be I, it's not like you have like intergender washrooms where you're uh, haven't you seen that movie this this is the only thing that i know scary for, movie the, no the sweetest thing where she there's like the sign it's like go up to the rabbit hole or something and there's a hole and she's like whoa like putting her eye into it and, like putting her ear to see what's like near the hole and then like a dick just flies out at her so i'm just wondering if guys do that in girls washrooms to see if all right well this is something for me to research later yes. on i'll get back to you on it <laughs> anyway so yeah i'm concerned about daryl and oh yeah. his proclivities and i re- like he's probably gonna grow out of it but, like, no one's challenging it. No one's telling him it's not okay to behave That's the way the thing. he is. Like, no one is just being like, no, Daryl, you're being a gross little twerp right now. <laughs> like, just cut it out. They're just like, That's Daryl. Like, you just can't keep excusing his behavior. Yeah. Another thing I really enjoyed about this movie and that made me feel a little nostalgic was how everyone just wanted to write checks. Like, Chris was like, (laughs) I'll write you a check for $5. And I'm like, it's hilarious that you could just go to a store and write a check for, like, $4. Yeah, there was a lot more, like, implicit trust, Mm -hmm. I guess. Well, I mean, what was your other option? Like, throwing a sack of coins at somebody (laughs) with a dollar sign? (laughs) (laughs) But going back to movies like um how to or uh, shows like how to be a murderer and like making a murderer and (laughs) like those shows where they're like about serial killers there was one i was watching recently and it was couples who kill horrible like don't watch that when you live by yourself and are concerned about like your neighbors killing you and it's just about like a real concern in your life (laughs) sometimes yeah in my last apartment it was a little bit um but it was about essentially people who found love and just decide to murder people like apparently it happens a lot well like you do yeah 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 but a lot of this show was about um crimes that happened in like the 80s and 90s so most of these people were caught not because they found like evidence of what they did they bounced a check and had to arrest them and then they're like oh you could have committed this murder over here so 
I think we maybe need to bring checks back so we can catch more <laughs> murders is all I'm saying. It, it's like um, I was reading something on the internet where like kids these days don't understand what floppy disks are. They just assume it's a save symbol that someone made that and it's supposed right. to mean save because yeah. they've never seen a floppy disk in their mm-hmm. life. And I'm like, that's so messed up. These kids are just won't know about this technology that existed. Well, yeah, to, I don't know. But... I hear that kind of complaint and I think that people like to inflate what they remember and think that it's really special what they remember and that the generation that comes mm-hmm. after it. I'm a, I also just want to make clear I'm not saying we should use floppy disk again because you put like two <laughs> word docs on it and then you're done. So, but it's just crazy that like I would have like 10 of them like in my backpack for school. And now they just have like, oh my God, I sound like such a grandma right now. They'll just have one of those little jump drives and they're good to go for the rest of their lives. I hear that kind of thing. And, you know, like I see people talk about, well, if we don't teach cursive to our children, I've seen this in a meme like a bunch of times and it makes me angry. If we don't teach cursive to our children, how are they going to read old documents? And I was like, we don't teach fucking runes to our children so they can read stone etchings either. That's not what your kids are learning in school right now? No? Apparently not. (laughs) Oh. I want my money back, Government of Ontario. (laughs) Teach my kids stone etchings. (laughs) Like, I guess I understand if they want to grow up to be, like, going through historical documents, like, they want to be historian of some type or work in, like, museums, but you think if that is their passion, at some point, they're just going to realize they need to learn that skill. Right. It, It does get to a point where people are just like, things should be this way because it's the way that it was for me. I don't write in cursive. I have the printing of a five-year-old, and I'm fine with that. The rest of that, let's just get that computer going. Was there anything else? Uh, I don't have much else to say, just that I'm really happy that you finally watched this, and we're able to share this experience together. I think that's going to be it for our conversation about adventures in babysitting. So the way that I always like to wrap up these conversations is by inviting you to share what rating this is getting for your own personal Netflix profile. So as a reminder, one star means you hated it. Two stars means didn't like it. Three stars liked it. Four stars really liked it. And five stars loved it. As well, I want to hear your MVP. So who made this movie shine a little brighter than it would have without them? Um, I'm going to give this a four. Because as I said, I've always really enjoyed this movie. I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite movies that came out in that era. era but it is definitely up there. Um, I'm happy to watch it once a year and relive those memories. <laughs> Is there like a time of year that you put aside for this? or? Yeah, it's like movies that I have movies in my rotation, like, well, Pretty in Pink. It's my favorite movie of that era. So I'll watch that about four times a year. Um, but Adventures in Babysitting, you know, that's one. Titanic that we talked about in our last podcast, that's one. Like, there's just some that need, like, you know, some repeats. So four. Um, my MVP is probably Sarah the Little Girl because I think she inspired this year's halloween costume for me and if anyone gets it when i go for halloween with like wait this coming halloween yeah or yeah i'm really planning ahead you are really far ahead yeah but just think how sweet it would be like a thor helmet which they're everywhere now sure red jacket backpack playboy magazine red cape yep like you're good to go and then you know if someone gets it on halloween like instant best friends shots all around nice. sarah mvp <laughs> all right so if i see you as sarah Although, good companion, if you happen to have a date, is Vincent D'Onofrio, wife beater, (laughs) garage monkey. Yes, for sure. No, that's a great (laughs) idea. The baseball cap and the Hulk Hogan wig. (laughs) Yeah. Like the horrible, horrible wig. That was probably like a Shiro wig or something that was cut from that time. Funny fact, actually, I was reading in the movie, it was supposed to be like He-Man and is it Shira? Shira, yeah. That the little girl, like, Sarah was obsessed with, but the director didn't understand who those characters were. So he's like, you know who's cool? Thor. Like, no one knew who Thor was at the time. Like, he was old and passe, but he's like, we're going to bring Thor into this mix. Did you know that they're doing a remake of this movie? No. So uh, it's going to be, like, a Disney Channel original? Ooh. You're not going to drop the F-bomb. The Further Adventures of Babysitting, and it's, (sighs) like, some Disney stars getting together and doing it and having to be all family-friendly and... Mm -mm. Mm Mm-mm. I don't feel good about it. I would, I, feel, I would feel good okay. about a Chris Hemsworth appearance in that as <laughs> Thor. Yes. And then I, Vincent D'Onofrio shows up as like Kingpin and he's all angry. He's like, oh, I used to be Thor. He's like, Ugh. I would feel great if like 
we were on board making this movie with them or if it was out of the realms of Disney because Disney's just been it's too wholesome now. They've like gone too far like past, you know, the year 2000. Now it's all like Hannah Montana's and Jonah's brothers and they wouldn't drop the F-bomb. As for me, the movie gets a three-star rating. So it means that I liked it. I didn't really like it. I didn't dislike it. Uh, It was fun. It was simultaneously shocking and wholesome at the same time. Mm -hmm. It felt contained and safe. Like it wasn't going to bleed out into the rest of the world. So it was okay for them to play around with some shocking material. As for my MVP, I'm giving it to Elizabeth Shue because she friggin' nailed it. Like she, she is good. Yeah, she held that movie together. You believed that everybody would be kind of lusting after her, but she was still like respectful of herself and her own abilities. She looked great in that jacket. It's true. Scarf yeah. combo. That's a great look. I think that she was just really perfectly cast in that role. Mm-hmm. In as much as you needed her to be, and I mean, like nobody was really doing much in the way of heavy lifting in terms of acting. No, in this movie, but, but she she was good. Yeah, yeah she, she yeah, fit the role as the as the core person. You know, what else would you want from mm-hmm. your core person? She's charming as hell. So she is. So that's really all you need. Speaking um, of fashion and MVPs, I just got to give a shout out to her friend, uh, Bethany, like her fashion. Brenda. And why do I always want to call her Bethany? But her glasses especially are on point. I'm glad glasses like that are making a comeback. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe that's what my next pair will be like. But her whole her whole fashion sense is just. Well, it's good enough that that one woman stole, stole her glasses yeah. <laughs> right off her. <laughs> Oh, poor Brenda slash Bethany. But I am happy that you are giving it a three. I'm actually a little surprised. I didn't think you would go that high because when we watched one of the best movies of all time, Titanic, you gave it what, like a one? So No, it was like a two. Okay. I mean, not that there's a huge difference, but <laughs> that movie is and still continues to be pretty awful. So the next time I'm on this podcast, we're going to do Titanic again. Yeah, and you're just again, gonna try and you're going to gonna love it. <laughs> we're going to keep doing it until you give it a five. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna try and pick a movie that you'll give a four to and we'll just gradually work our way up and nice. <laughs> maybe i do have good movie choices you can finally admit <laughs> maybe it's a big old maybe <laughs> is there anything that you're working on that people need to know about or uh where can people find you if they want to continue the conversation um they can find me on twitter at 379 underscore deanne or visit me on my blog deannecondrat.ca well thank you so much for coming on and doing this you know this is something that's it's come up as a couple of people have been like i almost chose adventure and babysitting but it doesn't quite seem like what i want to talk about so i appreciate that i've now seen it and mm-hmm. that that picture of the kids climbing the building it makes all makes sense. sense now it's great and i feel like i've filled in a filled in a hole in my childhood your life has meaning again even if it's not a terribly big hole that's been filled it's like it's like a little crack has just been like Mm -hmm. all right and now i've seen that and i can move forward and you know if you ever want someone on to talk about movies that no one else wants to talk about (laughs) i am your girl all right thank you so much for doing this i really appreciate it bye guys That's everything for this week from the Netflix podcast. If you like what you heard today, head on over to netflixblog.wordpress.com to check out the rest of the Netflix content, like show notes, articles, reviews, as well as a weekly look at what's new on Canadian Netflix. You can also find us on our social media platforms. We are on Facebook as Netflix, Twitter at Netflix Pod. You can also find me there at Dylan Clark Moore. And we're on Tumblr and SoundCloud as Netflix Podcast. If you'd like to support the show, there are a few ways you can do so. You can start by heading over to iTunes and subscribing so that each week's episode comes straight to you. While you're there, drop a rating and a review to let us know what you think. You can also contribute directly to Netflix by way of our Patreon campaign. Whether it's for the rewards like shoutouts on the podcast or customized content, or if you'd just like to see us keep doing what we're doing, you can pledge your support over at patreon.com. The Netflix podcast is produced and edited by me, Dylan Clark Moore. The theme music was provided by Zach Moore. Speaking of music, the piece you're hearing right now is another track off the album Forest City Series Volume 2. 
This one's called Aquarium by artist Para Palabras. I'll be sure to include proper credit and links in today's episode's show notes. Thank you so much for checking out this week's episode of the Netflix podcast, and be sure to join me here next week for a whole new conversation about a whole new movie from the Netflix catalog. Because even if you think you've seen it all, baby, you ain't streamed nothing yet. Thank you.